0: And welcome to episode 144, that's 144, we just keep going, and this is for the United States Grand Prix in Austin, Texas, and it's fun
1: with cars. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and yes, we are back to circuits that we can easily pronounce the names of, and uh, how fun is that? But no, dude, yeah, one time zone away, this is the race, we were at this race in the flesh last year, and uh, this year, that was not to be... Uh, but I did end up watching it live in something of a uh, over-the-top viewing party with uh, my dad and family and a bunch of car clubs that uh, came over. So uh, that was super cool to uh, just you know just have a bunch of people together watching it live because it's mostly because it's on a cool time zone. I mean, we could you know what we were doing was just television coverage and internet access basically and a bunch right. of TV screens and whatever. Could it, we could do for any race, but the fact that it's in America was made it slightly special, but most of all, the fact that it wasn't at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning (laughs) meant that, you know, we could come and hang out and drink some beers. America, meh. Central time zone, woo! I mean, you know, kind (laughs) of. No,
0: absolutely. And uh, what's great is the last race in Brazil, it's a couple time zones away from us only the other way. So it is ahead of us, but only slightly, I think, by two
1: hours. Two hours, yeah.
0: So... Uh, It was great. I could not join you um, for the race coverage live, unfortunately. Uh, Otherwise, we would have had a podcast a day earlier. But I was uh, watching a uh, a different spectacle, you could say, and uh, uh, couldn't get home until. I was out of the country until later last night. Out of the country? Out of the state. Okay. Is California a
1: different country now? Because I mean, I know
0: it's a ways away. It it seems like it at times, but no, uh, I was incorrect. Ah, State. Fair enough. Yes. Still far. Got it. Yes.
1: So there's the race itself. Yeah. Uh, You know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) There is, I think there is one or two news stories that we could talk about, you know, just to kind of fill in the gaps. A few things that may have happened since uh, you last heard from us from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, sure, and uh, obviously, I I think uh, the vast majority of this podcast is going to be about other things than the race itself. Right,
1: so Sebastian Vettel, you know, sort of dominated again, did his thing in the race. Wow,
0: I mean, really, I couldn't believe how... Yeah, I I believed. I was pretty much predicting that, and... Was not surprised in the
1: least. Right. Grosjean did a good job holding on a second, you know, keeping ahead of Weber. That was. uh, That
0: was well done.
1: And as I said, after the fact, it's like basically catching and passing Sebastian Vettel is just not really a realistic goal at this point this year, just the way things are right now. So to be second place, you know, and actually be, you know, better than the other Red Bulls, you know, not because Mark Weber had a failure or anything like that, but just to properly outrace him and out strategize him with tires and, and using the tires and so on. Well done. That is, like, as close to a victory as anyone else is going to get right now besides Vettel. So, good job, Grosjean.
0: Absolutely. And ironically enough, I think it's because uh, Grosjean, the man that was notorious for starts and uh, racing incidents early on, has become a demon starter. Uh, Weber, honest to goodness, had a good start. You could tell that his uh, car got off the line a little bit more aggressively than Vettel's. However, he was on the dirty side of the track, so uh, just couldn't quite put it together, and Vettel was aggressive about defending um, but there goes uh, Rosberg scooting around and uh, ended up getting, he got the second place position right away by the end of turn one. So, and then he's able to maintain and hold on to it. So he's become a very good driver in a car that is quite solid in the Lotus.
1: Yeah, and we had, so. Uh, and then, I guess the other big mention uh before we move on too much is uh Valtteri Bottas, Botas, I have to say he finished eighth uh, yes. getting four points for uh for Williams, which is their they had one point before they had Pastor Maldonado had one point before so this is in terms of you know in terms of making an impact to the team and where they sit for constructors and so on Zero. um but, okay, in terms of, <laughs> but to get that many more points, you know, that's a very solid performance at the end of the season. So now – Well, and Botas had a brilliant race to do it. Right. I mean, Qualified that was, very well and was able to hang well, on to it.
0: And made great passes on track. Remember, he yeah, had that outside pass around – oh, God, now I don't remember who it was. Uh, was it Perez? Uh, mm, that doesn't feel right.
1: No, I mean, he ended up just in front of Rosberg. I don't know. I don't think it was. No, it wasn't that was earlier on. Ben.
0: Anyway, he had a brilliant outside pass. Maybe it was Gutierrez, and it was earlier on. It was someone like that. Yeah. And But it was a brilliant move all the same. And uh, as you can tell from our conversation, now we are brilliant F1
1: commentators. Ricardo, Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's another guy who was in the race. Uh, so, But, yeah, just you know, good work from uh, from Botas, to, and, and I think that will uh, – you know, certainly go well for his next year because, of course, now he is confirmed at Williams for next year alongside one certain Brazilian, Felipe Massa. Um, yes. That is, uh, I think, something that is new since our last show. It is. And that is uh, that, yeah. Um, it along, is worth talking about. A little Massa bit, has found a drive and it is at Williams, and <laughs> which is one of the great F1 teams. However. However. The last few years, that hasn't been the greatest of cars, so uh, we'll sort of see how that works out for him. But, um, and, notably, also, now that Felipe Maza has a drive for next year, his performance is not so awesome. He has, he has slowed back <laughs> down to Maza point. speed.
0: Um, I, I, a couple things that are worth talking about. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, once again, very solid bro- drive. Uh, not top five, but sixth place in the Sauber. He's doing very, very well. Consistently strong. And uh, just constant reports going out that uh, Lotus really wants to hire Hulkenberg, but... It's not, it's not guaranteed yet because of money.
1: Yeah, and I've seen more. So, uh, okay, uh, it's hard to it's a, it's sort of hard to go in order on these things. But um, it was announced uh, maybe just a week ago, less than a week. I mean, five, six days ago, that Kimi Räikkönen will not be taking part in either the U.S. Grand Prix or the Brazilian Grand Prix. No more races for the rest of the year. Um, the official uh, whole deal is that it's because he's getting back surgery, which, which is he true. Is now. Received. Right, and he is, he's done with that. So I know, you know, you, you have this sort of special affection for, for Masa as, uh, you know, it's our, your boy recovering from a head injury and, yes. you know, brain injury whatever. Right. Now, Reikin and I share this recovering from spine surgery. You know, we've got that in you common. You might have him
0: beat on the amount of titanium I in might. your body, though. I
1: might. Um, so, you know, although I think you've got me beat with titanium in the body. I don't know. You've got well, some interesting... And Masa, actually. Well, yeah, there you go. So... Take that, Masa. <laughs> <laughs> Williams. Uh, so... I completely lost my train of thought now with the, uh,
0: well, Hailey whole... Covelline right. stepped so, in. So,
1: so, so first of all, the, there's all this craziness about okay, oh, you know, you know, what is the real reason behind Kimmy and, and the back surgery and whatever, um, and oh, well, all of a sudden he needs back surgery, and I don't think that part of it is BS. I mean, it seems like you know he's had this issue in his back and if he's going to go back to Ferrari and then go you know being teammates with Alonso and everything else um he wants to be at his finest of course yeah and, and he's
0: also he's my age which means really
1: old <laughs> is that what that means now? <laughs> yeah well yeah. yeah. oh, fair enough and uh and then also, of course, if he's not getting paid from Lotus, then why bother sitting out the rest of this contract? I mean, what this does mean is, that, is he practically loses third in the I – mean, he does lose third in the driver's championship, but I guess he doesn't care, you know, which it, incidentally – which means he doesn't have to go to the FIA oh, gala p- prize-giving ball later in the year, which he never seemed to like anyway, even when he was – uh, winning, the, winning the driver's championship, he was like, eh, I don't really care about You this.
0: know what that is? That is the typical behavior of such an old man. That's right, because Kimi Raikkonen's older than me, old man. Yeah. You just Look Google how it, old you? He is. <laughs> No, I didn't Google that. Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, of course. He's so old. Well, there you go. You know what I don't like about Raikkonen? How old he is. Hey, why don't you get the gray hair out of your helmet? Maybe you'll see a little better, old man. Why don't you take a back break and stretch it,
1: old man? Just, just let me know when you're done. I'll he's he's like forty something days older than I am. Nice. He's like forty something. That doesn't sound. Oh, 40 days older. <laughs> ah, sure. So uh, anyway, yeah. So so I don't think it's some big, you know, conspiracy theory craziness. It's just sort of like he looked at it and sort of, you know, for Ferrari to be like, hey, well, we've got only you know x number of months until you know we want to be racing in March, and um, you know, we want you to be as as you know as well sorted out as you possibly can be. And I'm not really getting paid right now, so eh, I might as well go for this. So it's sort of yeah. like, you know, just not – I don't think any, anything super nefarious about it. It's just a little – it's slightly awkward, but well, whatever.
0: I, here's what I think is nefarious, and the – attach the superlative super if you'd like. Super. Well done. consider attach. Um, he – this surgery was not critical. It was not urgent. It was not um, something that uh, – it was not late-breaking. Um, pardon the pun it was an irritant that had been going on and i think probably was scheduled at some point in time to happen at the end of the season or something like that and he said you know what f him i'll move it up a couple couple weeks and get it done now yes absolutely he's going to he's going back to ferrari and the sooner he's recovered in tip-top shape the better that he can start getting ready for to be in that car however um we're not talking about a huge difference in time here. We're not, and I don't think it would have kept him from. Um, I don't think it would have kept him from being in the car for testing in 2014 if he had waited a couple of weeks for four weeks for the surgery. So that's where it gets yeah, a little iffy. But
1: what we were talking about uh, from Abu Dhabi, where you know he had this like first corner, first lap retirement, um, is a, sort of like you know he's not going to go through all the time and effort and hassle of traveling across the world to go to an event. Um, and then when you finally get to the good part, which is driving the race to, to stop, and this in this case, it's sort of like, well, how much hassle and, like, you know, to start his recovery now is one thing. Okay, it's two weeks different, say, or two and a half, three weeks different in terms of when your actual recovery is. Not the hugest thing in the world, but, you know, as I know from some experience, I had to put my own racing career on hold for my back surgery. That's just true. You happen to know, being co-race team owner and <laughs> co-driver and whatnot.
0: Uh, right. Well, we're um, you and I, are, we're kind of a big deal.
1: Well, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, But, you know, to not have to travel a- across the world to America and then down to Brazil and be away from home for, you know, an extra sort of two and a half, three weeks and whatever and all that back and forth – is probably like, well, yeah, you know, so as far as he's concerned, it's a bunch of upsides and not really a downside because, you know, for him probably not getting third in the championship, meaning he doesn't have to go to the whole FIA prize-giving thing, is probably really a plus on his side. He's like, I'd rather be fourth, F those guys. I don't want to go to some fancy ball and wear a suit and whatever. So if it's all yep. ups and no downs for him, why not? So the interesting thing then is you think, okay, well, Lotus, that's, a, that's a, you know, one of the top teams, right? Um, one it's of the fastest definitely ones. one of the strong teams. That's yeah. a team that has two solid drivers in Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean, and they actually have a, a few reserve drivers. And what is a reserve driver but a driver you have in reserve? When your driver can't be there for some reason, like maybe he's getting back surgery, you put in your reserve driver, right? So David No, Valsicchi no, was, oh. duh,
0: no. You find a, yet another driver to fill in for the driver that is having back surgery. You don't use your reserve drivers because... Then you
1: won't have a reserve driver. Oh, is that the reason? Yeah. Or because the reserve driver hasn't turned any laps like ever because there's no testing in Formula One these days. So the reserve driver, they look at that and they go, "Well, well this that doesn't guy make
0: doesn't, any sense. He's a reserve driver.
1: This guy doesn't you know. This <laughs> doesn't even know how to even drive this car.
0: <laughs> so he's a reserve. Get my coffee, driver. So guy. that
1: was that was awkward. Is this very last minute? Um, well, in terms of what was released to the, to us anyway, it seemed all pretty last minute. Of okay, all of a sudden, Räikkönen's out. Well, who's it going to be? And David Valsecchi, the reserve driver for Lotus, is probably like, sweet, now's my chance. I'm the reserve guy. This is me. No. Nope. And it turns out, okay, it's Heki Kovalainen. Yes. Which, you know, good for him.
0: You know, he does, he is someone, he is a Grand Prix winner. Right. He does have a multi-team race experience, including racing with Lotus in the past, at the time they were Renault.
1: Right. So as I, as I tweeted, I somehow managed to fit this all into, into one tweet. Uh, if we look the the brief history of Kovalainen... Just to be clear, so he raced for Renault, and he raced for McLaren. Yes. He raced for Lotus that was really Caterham at the time, because right. it was Lotus, but it was the other Lotus. It was the other Lotus. And then he lay, he raced for... Um, uh, so he, but I thought Caterham was it. Then Caterham, and now Lotus that's really Renault. So he's back where he kind of was, but right. after the other Lotus, which was not this, and then Caterham, and then the other Caterham. So... Now, you know, so as long as we've kept that straight, then we're good to go. Man, between the words
0: reserve, caterham, and lotus, we've got ourselves a podcast here. I
1: think you can play reserve caterham bingo with this podcast. Yeah, because if your
0: lotus was reserved for caterham, your caterham would be reserved for lotus. But then who's your reserve for caterham? And who's your reserve for lotus? Because they don't have a reserve. And if caterham does a lotus, then lotus is going to be nowhere near caterham. And
1: the bottom line, really, is it's got to be a finish, you know. Right. Because to finish first, you must first be finished reserve in, in reserve cater lotus
0: <laughs> all right the the point is that uh, uh you know that uh uh Hulkenberg did very well lotus wants Hulkenberg but it's it's still yet to be determined whether they're going to get it, going to get Hulkenberg or not and then there's also a question mark about well Pastor Maldonado uh, he's got money so He's also in the mix. The other thing I wanted to mention that is Grand Prix-related tying to bigger stuff is Sergio Perez scored some solid points in finishing seventh place. Yeah, fire that guy. And he's out. They fired him. They took my advice. He's out. <laughs> they took your advice one and a half seconds ago. The uh, Formula Renault three-and-a-half-liter driver
1: something Magnuson. Kevin Magnuson. Kevin Magnuson. That's Jan Magnussen's son. Is it? Yeah. Is it seriously? Yeah, years? he looks a lot like him, actually, if you uh, see his pictures and whatever, which would make sense. I mean, it's his dad. It but, yeah, so... What? Uh, <laughs> that's a true thing. I know, it makes sense. Sometimes people look like, like their dads. dad. That's, yes. That's well, he looks a lot, you know, like... Well said. You no, know, there's in these interviews with Alex Brundle, Martin Brundle's son, and he's, he, he sounds exactly like his dad, which is that's cool, because... amazing. Because you know, his dad is like a broadcaster, so you hear his voice a lot. But, yeah, so somebody... But, anyway, yeah, Kevin Magison, Um And, of course, the last rookie that... Um, the McLaren started, was Lewis Hamilton, and that worked out pretty well for them. Holy fur! Kevin Magnussen was born in 1992. <laughs> Yard. We need to filter that part of Wikipedia from your from your computer, just so you can't <laughs> no, get angry about it's this. sad. Okay. Just look up how old the broadcasters are for speed H2 yeah or for what broadcasters.
0: Is it, <laughs> broadcasters.
1: So yeah, so that um so. Okay, so Checo is of course, was Holy, not... A, wait,
0: hold what, on a you, moment. Uh, no, Jan Magnussen's only 40. And his <laughs> kid's 20. Do the math. How old was... Yeah, well, he started <laughs> right. young. Good for him. I was born in the wrong country. I'd be a granddad by now.
1: Is that how it works in Denmark? Is that a thing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get your uh, citizenship, and they actually make you a grandfather. That's part of their... Citizenship. What were we talking about? We've all learned something (laughs) today. We were talking about Checo Perez. Oh,
1: right. So, okay, he he obviously
0: Checo Perez does not look like Jan Magnussen. I just looked it up.
1: Well, maybe they're not related.
0: So, uh, (laughs) you. (laughs) I know, I threw you off. Kevin Magnussen is getting the McLaren drive, which I wonder if they're kind of hoping for. A uh, Lewis Hamilton reborn kind of moment here.
1: Yeah, so that was the thing. So uh, Sergio, of course, was a Ferrari driver academy guy. He was in Sauber for two seasons, and then he sort of made this jump. And you know, that was sort of the surprise that uh, McLaren didn't take Hulkenberg. And now maybe somebody was thinking, ah, I wish we got Hulkenberg. That would have been well, so much better.
0: Maybe, but there's there's who knows? Some random dude in um, McLaren going, "I told you so." Right? There's
1: maybe a handful, but. Uh, you know, so okay, it has been a difficult year for McLaren, um, and you know, as as you pointed out a couple times during the race, you know, it is it's sort of this frustrating thing, especially a lot of Jensen Button fans looking at it. It's like, well, dude, Perez is like, you know, outdoing Button in some in some quali- qualifying performances and some in some race performances, and sometimes so on. in some ways. Um, you know, overall, not in, not in terms of points, which is I guess what matters, um, or you know, neither of them have podiums or wins this year. So of course, that's going to make it tougher, but. I guess how you how how you handle it when it is tougher is you know that's the the bigger measure of I guess you know how someone is as a professional and as a driver and so on and apparently um, Checo has not not handled it well in terms of just it seems like you know either the uh, the, the, the position as McLaren driver has gone to his head or it's just so too much of sort of a prima donna or whatever um, is sort of the the word on the street so um, yeah they're sort of I think going back the sort of maybe. I don't know who behind the scenes, of course, made these decisions and I'm sure it was a group of people, but to sort of, to hire, uh, Checo after a couple of good performances and, you know, out of someone else's driver Academy, he sort of came up someone else's ladder when McLaren themselves have this young driver development series, which, which brought Lewis Hamilton and obviously worked really well. And, uh, you know, they've they known these guys since they're very young and, uh, you know, we'll watch them develop and sort of see that they go the right way and so on. So now I think that that was probably somebody was like, no, 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 trust me, this Sergio thing is going to work out awesome. And then it didn't. It and did not. now they're like, okay, now we can go back to plan A, which was to get one of our new guys. So Kevin Maguson next year will be my car driver. Here's
0: the thing that uh, still bothers me a little bit. It's, what is the point of contract anymore? They seem all but worthless. The fact that Sergio Perez was given a three-year deal, and the whole point was, is this is long-term. We want to develop him and really turn him into a thing. And all of a sudden, it was less than the season out. They're like, no, this is, this is not working out. So it, it's, it's really, in my mind, it's become virtually meaningless to have a contract with the team because there's always going to be a way to lawyer up, lawyer out, lawyer backwards, sideways, whatever. And you've got nothing at the end of the day. You are no better than your last race result.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, so it's a few things. I mean, partly we don't know exactly what the contract is and what it said. And I think, you know, the contract is not going to be, you know, Sergio Perez will be our driver for the next three years. End of line. Oh, okay, everybody signs it. Of course, okay, course, obviously there's some things in there about you know performance and probably point scoring and finishes and race wins and you know blah 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 blah, and all different kinds of caveats and crazy things. And so one can only imagine, you know, we don't know if this is actually just breaking the contract by saying you know McLaren just saying he's like yeah our bad you know here's a couple million bucks sorry for breaking your contract or if you know of course they all there's plenty of lawyers i'm sure on both sides looking at it and very closely and going oh well actually because this happened and this other thing happened you know we have three reprimands that about this or that and we said oh you showed up yeah. late to work on tuesday so and it's
0: possible too that there was kind of a loophole if, in McLaren's contract that said well if you're not higher than this in the championship then we have the right to you know throw this part out or something like that and Sergio Perez probably didn't have as much clout to say well if the car isn't this high in the constructors championship then you guys i have an out from you guys you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean negotiating there when you're when you're you know the new guy against you know mclaren and the all that is mclaren new guy yeah when you're you know yeah with uh, not a race victory to your name yet and uh, and you know you're probably not going to be able to uh, negotiate everything and probably the excitement of being a mclaren driver you know as part of it you're going to like okay 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 that's all fine but mclaren's usually good so what do i, what do I have to worry about so either way um, this was very, very late in the season, of course, to announce this, and now um, Checo Perez is probably uh, frantically making phone calls and trying to figure out, okay, you know, who's, who, who behind me has gotten the money and how is this all going to work out to, uh, you know, can I drive an F1 car next year? And he's already said um, he may take a sabbatical. He hasn't ruled out the fact that he'll sit out Formula One in 2014. And once you do that, you know, for a year, it's a lot harder, a lot less likely that he'll come back later. Well, I mean, think of I, – I, this is an extreme example,
0: but uh, Robert Kubica, um, Hegi Kovalainen, I mean, really, just by luck that he, he got this drive and, right. you know, the chance of him going to Brazil – I would say he's reasonably hot.
1: Yeah, I think he is signed for Brazil, but that's just a contract, and we know about that. Means. <laughs> yeah,
0: did you know that um, Jan Magnuson was like 20 and a couple of months when Kevin Magnuson was born? Which means consummation happened earlier. You know, conception was earlier. It was 19 when this
1: happened. Man, just America and. It, mm. I think there are plenty of young pregnant people in America. I don't know where this whole America Denmark thing is coming from. Well, okay, but have you seen there's, a, there's shows like teenage pregnancy shows, okay, and all, all the Western Europe and America. So. Oh, was Kevin Magnuson on the teenage probably. pregnancy? Probably. I mean, I don't get I don't get what your point is. Here. Wait, where's where, you are see, really just hung up on this is Jan me. having sex right having sex.
0: I don't see any pictures of Kevin Magnuson's children. I mean, he's 21. He must have at least probably a couple, right. Yeah. Well, you'd think it stands to reason. And another fact about Jan Magusen. We
1: need to take Wikipedia out from being in front of you right now.
0: Born on the 4th of July, 1973, which means nothing to a Danish person probably, but still,
1: 4th of July. Well, I guess the day you're born, you're probably not really aware of what's going on around you anyway. So. Well, you know. I mean, that's, that's you... on him. <laughs> okay. Thank you for <laughs> derailing us yet again. Well, I don't think that's derailing. I think these are important plot points. They're not. Yeah, yeah, Madison's a nice dude. I've worked with him actually at uh, American Le Mans Series thing a while ago for because uh, he's you know been a Corvette driver and uh, well, of course all he's a nice place. guy. He's a nice guy because he's a happy guy. And why is he happy? Because good lord, freaking granddad over here has
0: got big family, <laughs> <laughs> love him and support him. And his son's gonna be in Formula One because he was in Formula One a year and a half ago, and it's been so long. I mean,
1: this is ridiculous. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Well. This is you on, uh, when, when you're in this kind of mood, man. Okay, fair enough.
0: All right. So anyway, uh,
1: Massa going to Williams. So Massa's gone. Uh, no, Massa's gone from Ferrari. That's going to be Kimi with a newly repaired back, and that'll be good. Alonso yeah. might need to have his back with repaired, maybe
0: adequate amount of titanium. <laughs> maybe.
1: I mean, psh, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Alonso jacked up his back, though, pretty bad. The, his whole, you know, the pit exit in Abu Dhabi where, where Vern, you know, yes. just was following his line, and, you know, Alonso had to take evasive action and go off to the side of the track. It didn't look like much in the car. It didn't look like anything. But... Um, again, with uh, the back surgery thing, I can relate. You know those vertical G's, man, going over bumps and that kind of thing that uh, compresses the spine a certain way. I can mess you up. Oh, don't get me started on vertical G's, man. That's a whole nother. Okay, I won't. I'll do my best <laughs> not to. Um, because Jan Magnus, dude, he knows a thing or two about X, Y, <laughs> Which Z G forces. it. reminds G-forces. me of a poem. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, so Alonso's back, though, has been all jacked up. So he was cleared um, to race by you know FIA medical whatever. And what he's the strangest thing is, he says, "Oh, actually, in the car, I'm okay." Which is like, okay, he's, you know, you see him you know, walking around the paddock and he's got like this, not like a back brace, but he's sort of got, you know, straps and stuff on to kind of make sure his back is held a certain way and whatever. And it's like, if walking is something you have to be careful of, how is it that getting into a Formula One car and experiencing all these G forces and all these directions I is think, like fine? It's like, how can that be okay? One,
0: getting in the car is a problem. Getting out might be. But no, here, I mean, honestly, though, here's the thing about race cars, especially Formula One race cars. The thing is molded to his back. It probably supports him with very few stress points. It's probably very uniform in terms of the pressure that's put on his back and what he feels. So in, in many ways, it probably would be one of the more relaxing Right, but then you're going leave. around
1: a corner, like, you know, four Gs to the side and then five Gs under braking and whatever. It's like, how can that be? Those like, are
0: horizontal Gs. Yes,
1: which is, but oh, oh, you're pretty much laying down in your back, though. So then, so yeah. you know, under braking, it is still compressed. It's like so. Anyway, obviously, it worked. I mean, he you know made it through the race and didn't you know fall apart or crack in half or anything. So good for him. And uh, which is that's a, that's the threat when you've got a back yes easier, by the yes way, falling in apart. Half. But um, but it's just amazing that you know that, you know that that would work. You know that he'd be able to do that and get into a car or whatever. I mean, I was having issues driving over speed bumps. Man, I was like. I would be dying, and then this guy's driving an F1 car. So yeah, but there's no there's no speed bumps in Formula One. Well, there were on the exit of Abu Dhabi. I mean, that was that's how we got into ah, this mess. Just, Lest we forget. The problem. Yeah. Mm. See. So anyway, so it's hopefully Ferrari's. You know, freaking the backbone of that team gets sorted out because that <laughs> is an issue. <laughs> That is uh, um,
0: ironic uniformity with their drivers, isn't it?
1: And then we've got yeah, but then Massa, of course, no longer Ferrari now at Williams. So we will still have Massa being the only Brazilian in the in the field next Which, year. Which, by the but way, good for it, him.
0: You know, that's where um, Rubens Barrichello ended up. Mm-hmm. That worked out awesome. Really awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean. So a lot of the teams, right, all of the regulation changes for 2014, the whole thing is we want somebody who knows what the heck they're doing, has some experience in a car, and Masa's that guy. I mean, right? He's not going to be necessarily coming out and winning championships. I don't think Williams is going to be, you know, fighting for these. But You never know, but to, I'm agreeing that it's unlikely. Yeah. And, um, I
0: mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, Masa still wanted to be in the sport. He didn't want to give the sport up. And if if someone's interested in giving him a ride, then, yeah, he should take it. And Here's listen, there's a good chance that Williams uh, will not be competing for race wins and championships next year. But there's also, I would say, a solid chance that they will be a better team than they were this year because, you know, it was not that long ago that they could, you know, fairly consistently get a car in a Q3 mm-hmm. and, you know, not necessarily run for podiums, but run for top fives and definitely top tens. So uh, there's there's hope yet, I and they've got the classic
1: say. strategy of splitting uh, the young upstart Valtteri Bottas, who obviously showed well this weekend, with yes. the experienced guy in this case Massa. So you know that's not the craziest of uh, of plans, and I hope it works out well for them. And of course, with Pastor Maldonado leaving, uh, they all of a sudden need money, and you know Massa probably knows some dudes with some checkbooks to uh, you know bring some money along with him for you know get some sponsor deals and whatever. Not saying he's a paid driver so much, but that. Uh, you know there will be sponsorship deals and stuff that will follow him, and that'll probably work out well for everyone. So agreed, that's probably good.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So which then leads past Maldonado.
0: where's he going? Well, there was talk about him going to Renault or Lotus because um, you know Lotus may need money. This whole Quantum Motorsports, I believe they call themselves. Um, they're in a they're in a process of buying a big chunk of Lotus, but it's not finalized yet, and it's more it's it. Effectively the way I've read it is if if quantum signs up and we're good, we're taking Hulkenberg. If quantum doesn't sign up and that can't be put together, we would we would really like to get Maldonado. Because Maldonado brings nearly quantum money right. with him.
1: So so a couple things on that. First of all, um, specifically to quantum, um, apparently all the stories are sort of like, No, 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 it's a done deal. It's not a question of the deal going through. Now it's just a matter of transferring large sums of money across, you know, international boundaries and whatever. I mean it's like it's it's funny. There was an interview um, after the race, uh, you, you know, yesterday, and uh, and it was you know one of the guys talking about the, some of the, some of the details of international bank transfers. And he was like, oh, you know, we're not just moving you know a couple of quid here. You know, we've got this is lots of sums of money, and it's moving. It's like, but it seems like if it were really just simply a matter of you know the money being in an account versus not being in an account, it seems like once you're to that phase, it's pretty much like agreed to and announced. Like normally, you know, when there's a new sponsorship deal, we didn't really need to learn like oh Vodafone and, and McLaren. It's like where is the money now, and who's transferring it to whom? It's sort of like okay, the deal's done. It's signed. It's good. So the fact that we've gotten to this state with um, with quantum seems more like sort of stalling. Like something weird has happened, and they don't want to talk about it, or they can't really announce it. So they're like, no, 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 it's fine. Everything's fine. Trust me. It's the the, the bank transfer. Yeah, the, the bank transfer is not right. <laughs> um, it's like it's the don't like, look at my almost, left hand. Look at my right hand. Look almost, at my right hand. Yeah, almost literally. Like yeah, the check is in the mail. Just just don't worry about it. Um, so, but uh, so also. Uh, Lotus approached uh, Nico Hulkenberg about driving for them for the last two races of the year being like dude okay you know we have a reserve driver but screw that guy how about you <laughs> Nico <laughs> Hulkenberg do you want to be our driver for the last two races of the year and from what I gather he sort of said no dude if i don't have he probably meant that dude but maybe um, said hey if you don't have a drive for 14 signed up for me yet you know if you don't have anything to talk to me about for next year i don't want to screw over you know my current team and whatever even if you know things aren't going super awesome there yeah, Like, I don't want to leave where I'm at to go to this other unknown thing and just race for two two seasons or two races only to then, you know, have nothing for next year or whatever. So
0: And by the way, you'd be going from a known quantity to an unknown quantity. Yeah. I mean, the cars aren't identical, clearly, and who knows? Maybe you'd have some uh, growing pains.
1: Right. So that, to me, indicates that the whole Hulkenberg Lotus thing is not as clear-cut as— Maybe, you know, we were sort of thinking that it was earlier on. of sort of like, that's the right, you know, he's, you know, you want to get the fastest drivers, and now Raikkonen's off the market, so let's get the next best guy. And you look down the grid, and oh, yeah, Hulkenberg, he's the guy. Uh, so this now puts a little bit more doubt around that, I think. Of course, probably now, by the time we're saying this, by the time it's out on the air, probably they're going to announce, oh, Hulkenberg is now going to be in for Brazil in and 2017. I'm guessing it's going to be one of Kevin
0: Magnussen's kids, myself. But. Or
1: grandkids. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> so, um <laughs> So that does leave then Pastor Maldonado, which, okay, then you say, okay, so he's out at Williams. He says he knows exactly where he's going to be next year. He just can't announce it yet. But I guess that's what you would say, right, if you, <laughs> again, checks in the mail and so on. So, you know, the, then the question is, is that is that Lotus and will that be, you know, his drive? I mean, he, I don't think, did his reputation any favors this week um, with, I mean, that was the only real big incident in this race was a crash between Pastor Maldonado and Adrian Sutil, which you could debate whose fault it was or whether it's a racing incident or whatever, but the fact is, like, it's sort of yet another one of these debatable crashes, and one of the guys involved is Pastor Maldonado, and there was sort of plenty of room for them to, they, they, you know, it could have gone lots of other ways, and yet it didn't. It did end up in a crash and the retirement of one Adrian Soutil. So... You know, if, if he's looking, and, you know, and, and I would say Kovalainen did a solid job. It wasn't brilliant. There was some nose damage and some stuff that wasn't really his fault and whatever. But Kovalainen did an okay job for Lotus, so they're not going to be super frustrated with him or anything. Um, so I think if they, the team Lotus, is now looking at Maldonado and thinking, okay, there's this guy and his money, or if we can get this other money and we can get Hulkenberg uh, get signed up, I think they're going to push harder to go toward Hulkenberg just seeing yet another sort of iffy performance from Maldonado. Um, and, you know, it does seem like it may be kind of a waste. I mean, Grosjean has really proven himself as, as, a, as a top guy. Um, either way, I think he would be number one driver at Lotus technically next year, but it does seem like kind of a waste to have that fast of a car on the guy like Pastor Maldonado, but maybe he would go with it and do awesome. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say.
0: So um, what do you think of the newest driver at SDR, uh, Mr. Kvart, um Daniel uh 19 years old uh you know just did uh did formula 3 gp3 level stuff and right into a formula 1 car what do you think of that
1: these 19 year old kids you know when that kid was born can you just i don't know 94 yeah most likely april 26 1994
0: ooh look at that look at you go not that. on the 4th of july lame um i don't know it's 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 interesting to me it's it's eh, i mean I don't know how to take it. I mean, is it's, I wonder like if there's a bunch of GP two drivers like going, oh, oh, come on. You know what I mean? And there's still, obviously I'm sure there's still room to play. Right. I mean, there's still a lot of open seats potentially in the Katerems and Marusha's of the world. Right. So it doesn't mean that there's no hope for anybody else, but I was, I'm surprised that we've got two. Now we've got Magnuson and uh, Kvat uh, both, Neither of them entered g p two
1: yeah well uh i mean that's that's the idea of s t r though is to be you know bring in the uh you know the young upstarts and the and the guys that are through our program and move them forward and that's what we talked about with uh Ricardo getting moved up from s t r to the proper red Bull team and so on, so you know i don't i guess i don't have uh I don't, I don't, you know, know his history enough to uh, to really say one way or the other. But he had a, he, he did drive the car Friday morning uh, in the U.S. here and was uh, apparently did a fine job at it. He was only, you know, a few tenths behind uh, Vern, as I understand it. So, you know, solid debut and whatever for. He didn't get overwhelmed and freaked out about it or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is bringing in these guys through their own team and uh, basically just trying to do the best thing they can toward building eventually world champions and. You really can't argue with uh, the success of Red Bull as a whole organization in building world champions lately. It's been uh, well, just sure incredible. You, you absolutely can. Well, but you they've done really well. They got lucky. Yeah. Well maybe. one
0: guy multiple times.
1: And uh and we do <laughs> <laughs> one guy is really, really lucky. Um and of course um it's easy to forget we have uh in the um supposedly confirmed Sergei Sorotkin. Um, is the only confirmed Sauber driver for next year. We don't know. Will Gutierrez be there? Will, you know, Checo Perez find his way back to Sauber and be there next year? Yeah. Um, you know, where exactly is Hulkenberg? He's not committed anywhere yet. So What's this guy's name? I didn't hear about it. Sergei Sirotkin,
0: man. I've not heard about this. Yeah, what man. is this guy's nationality? Russian. Oh, he well. He is
1: 18. He was born in, August in 1995. You're kidding me. Oh,
0: 1985? 95. There you go. Freaking... Kids. Yeah, and he's in
1: Formula now 3.5 series, man, and also not uh, GP2. So there you so, go. So
0: what you're saying is freaking GP- Twitter, man. GP2 just is for losers. a bunch of Twitter users in Formula 1 now. I don't even know if I can deal with this.
1: Yeah. So it's crazy. So the open open seats that are yet to be filled still, we've got one seat at Caterham alongside Charles Pic at, uh, at Caterham for next year. So Guido Vandergaard, watch out because it may not be you. Maybe just Kovalainen will come back. That's not terribly exciting, but whatever. Um, both seats at Force India, not confirmed anywhere. The rumor is going around that Paul DiResta may slide over into Dario Franchitti, you know, his newly open seat in IndyCar.
0: I'd be ironic. Which so, would be I mean, interesting. It, it, ironic only because they're related. That seems a little weird, but I mean, good for him it's to get a... It's just a rumor anyway, so who knows? Right. But it would be good for him to get a top drive, even though it wouldn't be Formula One, it would be a top drive because Chip Ganassi, um, is very, very strong in IndyCar. Um... And to take over for your uncle, that there would be some honor in that. And uh, a little bit, a little bit, uh, an odd twist of fate for folks that remember Bruno Senna. Um, but, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I mean, duresta's has proved to be a solid uh, Formula One driver, but not a standout. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Holgenberg yeah. uh, has proved to be a standout. And... Uh, Maldonado has proved to be very wealthy and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and
1: Sutil, you could say the same thing. I and mean, he's also not confirmed for anywhere that like he's had some solid performances. He had his year off and he's come back and he's done, he's done well and arguably better than the car deserved in some cases, but also, um, not really shown, uh, you know, like Hulkenberg has, or even like Checo did last year. And, you know, a couple of performances where you just really, you know, stand up and take note. I mean, remember the beginning of the season, Australia, very beginning of the season, you know, it was like Sutil and the Force India was like, hold on, these guys really, you know, they just had the tires, either got lucky with temperature ranges or had the tires figured out or or just whatever the car happened to work that way. But that was like, hold on, these guys are going to be a force to reckon with. And then it just never, you know, really kind of turned into a whole lot. But um, but yeah, like you say, I mean, Hulkenberg has been on just this amazing run. And with with all these other talent, all these other guys moving around in the field now, um, it seems like, you know, from what I can remember, the biggest change, in driver lineup one year to the next you know we've had a few new faces obviously come in uh, come and go in the last couple of years and even you know HRT come and go as a team sure but um, you know looking down the list it's like how many people are in different teams or or just actually new to the sport and, and whatever it's, it seems like a much bigger change and actually technically Lotus hasn't confirmed either of who their drivers are going to be I mean it's all very much assumed that, um, that Roman Grosjean will stay on and you know the, I, we don't see any reason not to but we don't know. You know. It's actually not confirmed. That is and true. And we all know how much confirmed I means anyway. It's
0: looking good for Grosjean, but uh, he might sign a contract, and then it's all and up th- in the air. And at that then point.
1: Once, once it's no longer hearsay and actually written down, then it's like all bets are off. Bitch. Okay,
0: so you have two options, sure. We, we can either move on to listener feedback, or I can start giving you more facts about Jan Magnuson.
1: Are you still looking at that? But Jan or Kevin?
0: Jan. Oh, yeah. We're back.
1: Oh boy, that old man again. Uh, well, the only two last open seats are Mar- one at Marussia and one at Sauber. So there's there's some open seats, but they're not that many. So this musical chairs, man, the music's going to stop. And then did
0: you know that Jan Magnussen dominated right, the 1994 feedback. British the Formula Three Championship with... No, I did da- not. But hey, I'm right. still talking. No, we're not. No, Jan.
1: Oh yeah, listener feedback time. And because this race was on uh, most excellent of time zones, um, I was of course tweeting live for qualifying. Where there was like only one or two other folks watching with me. Um, But during the race where uh, there was a bunch of us that got the band back together, man. It's been a while since we've uh, live-tweeted a race. This is true. uh, We had done so. So, um, as always, uh, good times. And thanks for hanging out to Laurie Jordan, Bernard A., uh, Ben Azuma, Clint Matlock, um, Geek Girl F1 was in there somewhere. And, uh, you know, Andy Barnes. Yeah, anyway, the the whole crew on hash FW cars or pound FW cars as it's sometimes known. Um, so those good times, but, you know, you're watching the race live, having it on our time zone, and, uh, of course, you know, showing pictures of our setup and all the fun stuff. Uh, so if you uh, – oh, Kylie Guffa is in there as well. Um, so, yeah, if uh, – for, certainly for Brazil as well, if you're hearing this and uh, have not yet watched the Brazil race, then uh, please do uh, check out Twitter, and uh, it, you can do a search for #fwcars. And uh, that's where us and our fans will will tweet during the race and see, you know, various interesting things that are going on and answering questions and being goofy and whatnot. So it's good times, and uh, thank you to everyone who participated. Um, I think we got a couple uh, new people found us uh, over this weekend with all the Twittering that was going on, and uh, we had a really good time, but... Um, since I am uh, young enough to understand what Twitter is, I didn't really uh, do a whole lot on Facebook, so um, I'm yeah, sure we've that's had that's,
0: Facebook's for old people, isn't it? Well, the, beyond that, though, we actually got a couple of emails. Oh, yeah? Yeah, uh, one of them from is one Cameron McGrath, who is <clears throat> from Australia, believe it or not. Oh, we know Cam, yeah. And, of course, we know Cam. And um, he was saying that he's had to play a little catch-up on podcasting, but that he thinks we're doing a good job with them, which is very nice for him to say. And um, he thought that uh, the one thing that uh, we didn't uh, quite talk about enough was the awesome pole position lap from Weber. That's one of the best quality laps he thinks he's ever seen him put together, especially when you consider that Yas Marina has not been a strong track for him and that he was clearly unhappy with the car setup but still managed to push it through. So... Um, that was uh, something that made him very good. And here is Cam's bold prediction. He is tipping him for a win at Interlagos. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how about that, right? He also said, hey, regarding your Alonzo Massa question, he thinks that Ferrari has pigeonholed Massa as a number two. In 2008, when uh, Kimi began to lose interest, he was kind of pushed into number one and did a very good job almost winning the world championship. And then in 2009, he was still very strong, but then had his head injury. And then uh, since 2010, he was pushed right back in that role and kind of been pigeonholed. And that was Cam McGrath's story. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, – and Cam, by the way, went on to say um, that uh, he does think that Alonso is the better driver at the end of the day, but uh, that uh, Massa does not get a fair shake. So – Uh, very very much thank you for the nice email Cam it was good to hear from you again thank you so much for catching up and uh, this one is sure to be the most awesomest podcast of all so uh,
1: ahead of time you're welcome and uh, we got another email yeah John Matthew from Toronto that's the one um, says love the podcast and my pet peeve has nothing to do with you guys the subject is pet peeve so I open the show and I'm like oh no he's going to call us out for saying um and you know a whole lot but he didn't this time so thank you for that that's nice of him that is um you know great So, Uh, yeah. So he lives in Canada, normally watches F1 on TSN, which I think is the freaky deaky Canadian version of ESPN, um, but they get the BBC feed, so that's not so bad. Today, though. ESPN on TSN. Don't overthink it. Tundra Sports Network? Yeah, probably. Uh, so today, TSN is delaying the broadcast until tonight, so he got his first taste of F1 on NBC. It was great to hear the old speed guys, Well, kind of. Uh, however, it annoyed me that they dumbed down the broadcast. They explained that there was no refueling, but every car has to use two tire compounds. We know that. And, uh, and then he goes on to explain how, you know, with football, um, everybody watches Super Bowl, and it's on the major networks, yet they don't have to explain how every play of the game works. And you and I were actually we were just talking about this tonight. Yes. With football it, as the football. example. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because, yeah, you know, if I, I don't, Know all the game, all the rules of sports ball, but you know if I'm watching a game and other people have it on, the, the broadcasters aren't assuming that and then explaining everything to me like an idiot. I can ask someone else in the room with me who's probably watching it, you because know, I wouldn't really turn on sports ball intentionally on my own. Oh, uh, So ball. I can, you know, I can ask. Well, what what does it mean? Second down. What does that mean? And why is there that line? And what, who's this guy? What's his job? And whatever. When do they refuel? For whatever reason, you know, yeah, the uh, the broadcasters for F1 do feel like they have to explain, you know, what you know not even sort of and this isn't like you know detailed strategy stuff that's that's interesting or even some of that like uh you know sort of next level stuff that's that you know even you and I may like okay maybe we knew that you know but um it's still slightly in, you know slightly uh you know a, a clever thing to point out but no this is really like you know why you know why do they not take a pit stop on every lap well the pit stop is slower than going full speed and it's like seriously come on you know um, and and part of it um, and, yeah, they got so excited about short pit stops. I mean, that, I think, is sort of a Steve Matchett thing as a mechanic and championship-winning mechanic to his credit and so on. Uh, but they get super, super geeked about about uh, pit stops. Um, and I will say, you know, I think the, the Red Bull did release the data that for Mark Webber's pit stop um, that the uh, it was actually uh, a sub-two-second pit stop in terms of the amount of time the car was stationary. It was like 1.92 seconds or something. So well done for that, and the guys are super geeked about it. Um, but it was, it was funny because it was almost like they were showing off to their non-F1 savvy audience how fast these pit stops are. Like, oh, four seconds. That may seem fast to you. But no, you wait and you see. This next one's going to be even faster. Yeah, and, and that whatever. W- it was
0: getting old. But I remember it wasn't that many races ago that they were like 2.9, 2.8 seconds, 2.8 seconds again. Oh, three seconds. Wait, that's lower than 2.8 but still three seconds. It was like, okay. And now it's like, oh, uh, three seconds, yawn. Here's the deal. Formula one teams work very hard to suss out the last uh, bit of time in everything they do, and uh, they've done the same thing with pit stops. So over time, it's going to become uh, expected for it to be three seconds and then maybe eventually two and a half, all those kind of things, and then be ho if you're half a second off that. We get it. But that doesn't mean you have to dwell on it and talk about it all this time. You know what I mean? Right. Because that's wasting time when you could be talking about Jan Magnussen's NASCAR career. Did you know that he has one race in NASCAR's Sprint Cup Series, which is the top series of Sprint Cup NASCAR, um, his best finish, 63rd. (laughs)
1: How is that even – I don't even know how it's a number. Can I, like, pull like... you away from your computer for a while? So no. So John, John, real quick, finishes his email saying, oh. I hope oh. not every broadcast is like this one. And, okay, this case, this was on NBC, which is the major network, rather than NBC Sports, which, which is, is the Which is where road. they do
0: dumb it down the most. So
1: they do dumb it down a bit more, but it's not that different, unfortunately. So that is it, – it's tough. I mean, and it, it's a bit of a sort of chicken and egg thing because – Part of uh, part of what we were talking about the difference with you know UK coverage. Of course, in the UK you've got uh, you know BBC coverage for certain races and whatever. But Sky F1, where that is a channel dedicated to F1, so like always content that's F1, new, classic, whatever. Right. So you have like five hours of pre pre race coverage and like four hours of post race coverage. So you can cover all the other things that are going on in the paddock and interviews and rumors and gossip and all kinds of stuff. You can talk about not during the race. So during these races, you partly we have commercial breaks because that's just the reality of American television um, and uh, partly you know that's they only have sort of a half hour pre-race in this case they did a full hour for the u.s grand prix um but you know they s- still didn't feel like they had time to sort of cover everything so during the race you know they're showing checo paris and saying by the way this guy doesn't have a drive for next year and um either way and that was still news to some of the folks in our viewing group as well so who knows i guess maybe that's just we need to hopefully it's a slow slow process of uh finding you know having americans really get what's so cool about f1 and then uh, dial into it but Hopefully it does continue to move forward, and I guess in some small part, we feel like we are doing, a, are doing our part, and uh, you know, where anyone anywhere in the world who's interested enough to uh, listen to hear us talk about our views and thoughts and things on F1, then they can tune in and maybe be educated in some slight bit. And, uh, and
0: of course, more importantly, we will dumb down football for you, because it does in fact take four downs uh, and no more to go 10 yards, or you have to give up the football. And they do it at the beginning of the thing, they do this thing called a kickoff, where they kick the ball off to the other team. There's a lot of very intricate and interesting details we're going to have to go over. Did you know they actually don't have different uh, shoe compounds? They actually wear the same shoes throughout the entire game.
1: Special teams?
0: Which reminds me of Jan Magnuson. Or we can do predictions. Your choice. But this Jan, is like, this is like a Jan? this is or like, like you, a podcast was, ultimatum here. What, you, what the hell is going on? Okay, Jan Magnuson, did rogue. you know he's had quite the twenty-four hours of Lamont career? Yes, I did. Let's move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, prediction. So um, Vettel, Vettel, and Vettel, Vettel. Right. And hey, what are you gonna go? Good night, everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, okay. Look, here's the thing. I'm winning this year. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put too so fine sorry. a point on it, but yes, so, no, you are, that's true. I'm gonna go with Vettel on pole and Vettel to win. So I And if
1: he does that, I <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh I feel like I have I have Hulkenberg. Uh, this year, because I started out with some very weak performances and very mixed true. results. However, I am now in twenty-fourth spot, sir. I am on the first page of results. Hey, now that may be because half the folks have like lost interest and stopped predicting. You, but either way, I have moved forward nonetheless. I you was were in only like
0: one place behind Damien. Well done. You were just slightly worse than Antichrist.
1: That's you know. That's a something. Well, so really here, if I'm gonna to try to do any better than Damien, I've gotta I've gotta pick a better pick than Vettel Vettel. But there is your well, opportunity. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we do have one particular Aussie thinking that uh Weber's gonna take the win at Intralagos. That's right. Maybe.
0: Uh, probably, hey. Probably not. This is your no, this is your time to shine, sir. What if what if what if Vettel um Falls out of the race, first lap.
1: Well, that'll happen, and that'll screw up a lot of people, including you and Damien, the prediction model. Um, and
0: you would be there to reap the rewards, sir.
1: With, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you'll
0: th- never beat me. You're going to owe me a lot of Cokes. I mean, let's just, let's get down to brass tacks here. You're going to owe me a lot of Cokes.
1: Is that the brass tacks of it? Yeah, I mean, th- I guess this is this is my last chance here to uh, to be bold and come up with something interesting.
0: Did you, know, did you know how there's like, the cool graphs? You can just look at uh, how people how have people performed in terms of points earned. So the flatter your curve, uh, the so better.
1: You've, you've, it's not gone wrong for you this whole season. Well,
0: man. because I'm really brilliant. And yes. because Vettel. I mean, just like you look at everyone's curve, everyone's curve just goes flat. It's just like, how long have you gotten on the Vettel train is basically the question that you can see in these graphs. Right. I mean, with
1: eight consecutive wins and going for ninth in Eight whatever.
0: consecutive wins, 12 for the season.
1: Right. <sighs> right. I mean, it, we, sh- we could have a prediction model for just if you picked Vettel for everything that you'd probably, probably maybe even beat your record here because it's just been ridiculous. So, um, although he had one retirement. And, well, anyway. Um, so, yeah, the question, So I mean, Vettel is totally going to be on pole. And he's probably going to win the race. But on the weird chance that something crazy happens, and he doesn't, I mean, because I, I can't lose anything, right? I mean, 23rd, there's no prizes for that. I guess that's just how, you know, if I can get one, one case of Coke for you, or if I have to get multiple. Right, exactly. Is it's the how only much, question. How much
0: Coke are you going to have to buy is it the only question. Do they you have do 24 packs different? of Coke? Probably. We can find well, there. but see, now I'm more of a, I'm, 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 I'm a bottle guy. So I, I only want glass bottles. Oh, I can get Coke. you
1: Mexican Coke. Okay. Well, well,
0: Mexican Coke wouldn't be bad, but American Coke still, still is fine. Oh, so it's not
1: about the sugar. It's just about America- the bottle. American Coke.
0: Uh, yeah, no, uh, United States flavored Coke, please. Okay. Um, it, and it will save you money because I'm just that nice of a guy.
1: I mean, um, it's, I'm like looking down the list. I'm like, Alonzo, no, dude, the Ferrari. No, it's, not there. it's gonna be like Grosjean, no, though. No, it's, it's like
0: not, though. So <laughs> no, if it's not Vettel, though, like it, right, know. if it's not Vettel, because it it, it it's gonna be though.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. But but, but I. But I can't lose. I mean, I've already lost. I can only go. I can only move forward. Right. And in case I mean, Vettel crashes out or something weird happens, then I will. So screw it. I'm gonna say Lewis Hamilton wins the race. Oh, I'm wow. going Vettel Hamilton wow. just because. Look at you. Screw girl. you, hippies. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta go bold here. <laughs>
0: well, Jim Lau gets a gets an applause from me at the very least. Because... And from
1: Coca-Cola bottling company for supporting them. And <laughs> that's <it's>... right. Because <laughs> well, you know, what are you gonna
0: do? That's that's my thing. You know what I'm gonna do. I am going to take a moment and uh, go off on a, on a very mild tangent. Um, I have a day job that I do during the day. And uh, at times, this day job has um, some very interesting work for me. And uh, one of the things that I uh, was able to do recently was test a Ferrari F12 Berlinetta, And uh, I wrote about testing the car and that is uh something that is on our website uh at roadandtrack.com. but don't go there least yet because um i'm going to put together a little something you're going to see on funwithcars.com talking about um me talking about uh driving the ferrari on roadandtrack.com. so um the only reason why i'm even saying anything is you might start to see this on occasion Uh, fun with cars actually talking about cars and uh, there'll be little blog posts that aren't podcasts so uh, look for them and enjoy them and or don't enjoy them up to you
1: well bottom line visit funwithcars.com every once in a while yes or every day it was cool too Um, but uh, more to the point is uh, yeah if you don't already then uh, you should probably check us out on facebook and or twitter wherever you uh, like to get your little real-time blips of, uh, of you know little nuggets of whether it's yeah, uh, race cars, obviously Formula One. You know what?
0: One. You know what I like to do on Twitter? Blip nuggets. I like to tweet.
1: <laughs> I don't know why that sounds weird coming oh, from yeah. you, but it I'm does. hip
0: with the lingo, yeah. sir. With your pound bags, I'll tweet. I'll even tweet other people's twats.
1: Okay, well, Wait, that's what? I think huh? crossed a
0: line there. Great. <laughs> you know who crosses a lot of lines? No, I don't want to. <laughs> Jesus. Jan Magnuson. In 2005, this is a good one. No, it's he not. He drove a Toyota Corolla
1: in the Danish touring car. Okay, chains. actually, that is cool. <laughs> Come on. You, go Dane. You lost me with the Yonfax, and then you got me back to the Corolla. So, right. All right. Corolla! It's <laughs> come on that's, that's right. if thing. any fun with cars podcast needed to end it's this one so <laughs> thank you very much for listening thankfully it'll only be a couple of days until we have the season finale in Brazil and we will be bringing you coverage right after that and uh, probably tweeting online and Facebooking and whatever it is people do so um, yeah join us in the meantime um, I am Jim Lau and I'm Robin Warner here to tell you about Jan Magnussen
0: and his number 57 Steven Motorsports Chevrolet Camaro with Robin Liddell and Andrew Davis Wait, I, I'm I'm surprised you didn't cut me off. Now i now I feel awkward. I suppose you're out.